How y'all doing this morning? Yeah, I mean, I feel like y'all can do a lot better than that. That was pretty pathetic. We're going to go again. How are y'all doing this morning? That was good. I feel like 90% of that was Wayne. Like, that was an Alabama. That's okay. Um, how are y'all doing this morning? We are in week three of our Y series. If you didn't know, I'm speaking about worship today, so I thought it was only right that me and Bob match today. Look at this. I mean... Look at that. I can't see out of these glasses. They're actual prescriptions, so if, before I go blind, I'm going to take them off. So you've got to hear every week from one of our amazing pastors. First week, it was Pastor Austin. Anybody remember that? Why Peter? Why Peter is a great, phenomenal man. I mean, Austin was just so calm up here. He was just talking, just laying all over the stage. I was like, man, he is just so calm, cool, and collected. And he was just great. And he did so fantastic. Last week, we had Pastor Amanda that said, why not us? Great message. Both of those kind of dovetail together. And what we're hoping to do in this series is ask the question why, and then ask a specific question why, and then illuminate the truth through biblical precepts, right? So that's what we're wanting to do. And today, we're going to do why worship. And it's amazing how God just kind of sets us up for that worship atmosphere. I mean, that was the Holy Spirit. That wasn't me. We couldn't have planned that. It was just God stepping in and intervening in this service already, kind of making my job a lot more easy, right? So Lord, I just thank you today. I thank you for what you're going to do in this service, but I thank you for what you've already done, that you're not done yet, that it's nothing that me and Pastor Tiffany do, nothing that Pastor Bob and the band, the praise team do, the ushers, the greeters. It's your love in us that other people see and that people's lives are going to be changed today. In Jesus' name, amen. So we're asking why did Jesus step into human history 2,000 years ago? And want a relationship with us. Why? And today we're asking why worship. But before we ask why worship, I think it's important we ask what is worship. What is it? And here is Casey's definition of what worship is. Worship is applying the highest appreciation or value to something. That's what worship is. Now, I'm going to explain this story. I'm going to give you a story from my personal life. The first service didn't really know how to take it, and they're like, I don't know if I can laugh at this or not. They're like, they were like, I, I don't know about it. But I'm going to tell you, if you didn't know, I know you probably thought I've been an angel my whole life, but I, it, I haven't. So in my early 20s, I decided I was going to sell acid, LSD. Okay. So I, I got some acid, and it was in a Visine bottle. I guess that's what it comes in, you know? An old Visine bottle. So I took five hits that day. The next day, my buddy, uh, Josh, and my cousin, Jacqueline, they decided, hey, we want to do it too. And I can say their names because we don't live like that no more. You know what I mean? Um, amen. But we decided, they're like, hey, I want to do it. And I'm like, cool, I want to do it again with y'all. So everybody had said, hey, if you're going to do it again the next day, you've got to double what you took the night before. So I'm like, okay. So I took 10 hits of acid. And they took a couple, and I'm sitting there, and I'm like, I'm not really feeling this. You know, I don't, ha-ha, so I'm taking more and more. Last count, around 16. We're smoking a little bud, and then they drop the bowl, and we all start laughing. Ha-ha-ha, <laughs> it's happening. But when I come, through, come up from laughing, I am in a different universe. <laughs> that acid has shifted gears in my mind, and I am like, oh, my gosh, I am dying right now. 
So I go to the bathroom, and I'm like, I don't want to tell them I'm tripping this bad. So I go into the bathroom, and I do what they tell you you're never supposed to do. Look in a mirror. You're not supposed to do that. So I go in there, and I look in a mirror, and what I see is a man that is certainly dying right there. He is dying. My face is melting off, and that acid has shifted gears, and I start walking out, and I'm taking off my clothes as I'm walking through the house. I'm taking off my clothes, and Josh and Jacqueline are like, what are you doing? And I'm like, I'm dying. That's what I'm doing. I'm dying right now. And they're like, oh, my gosh, we were having fun, and you totally made us have a bad trip. I'm like, I don't care because I'm dying. Let's do something about this. So there's only one kind of sober person there, our buddy. And we're like, hey, take me to the hospital because I'm dying. And if you don't, then I'm just going to die here and you're going to have to deal with me. So we got them to take, us to the, take me to the hospital. They definitely wasn't leaving. So when I get in, if you're familiar with like comic book strips, they have those little clouds that spell out stuff. I'm in the car on the way home and all I see is my mom and dad in comic book strip form with that cloud saying, Casey, I told you you were going to fry your brain. I was like, oh my gosh, I am dying. They get me over to the great hospital, which is Athens. Hey, man, they just do so much stuff, great stuff over there. They get over there, and I'm about a half a mile from there, and I slip out of it. I'm like, dude, Eric, I was tripping, bro. And he's like, yeah, man, you said you were dying. I was like, I am dying. You're right. I know. I am dying. You're right. Get me to the hospital. So we go to the hospital, and as luck, fate, whatever you want to say, had it, a girl I went to high school with was working the receptionist desk. She's like, Casey, what's wrong? And I was like, I didn't want to tell him I had ate 16 hits of acid, and I was tripping. So I said, I don't know. I, smoked, I burned, uh, bought a joint from somebody, and I'm dying. That's all I can tell you. I mean, that's all, that's all I know to tell you is I'm dying. I smoked some weed, and I'm dying. So she's like, okay. So she sends me to this nurse, and the nurse is saying, are you hearing voices? Are you seeing things? And I'm thinking, I think I'm thinking this to myself. I might have been saying it out loud. I don't know. But I'm like, if I say yes to these questions, they're sending me to Moccasin Bend tonight. So, no, all I can tell you is I'm dying. Let me see a, a doctor right now. So she's leading me through the hospital, to the little hospital rooms. If you're familiar with hospitals, they have those little tiles that are different colors. At least I think they're different colors because it was going... As I was walking, I, I, it didn't make that sound. It wasn't... But it was doing something like that. So I'm holding on to this poor nurse and went walking through, through this... And we get to the hospital room, and I'm in there, and the doctor comes in, and I have that paper sheet right here. I'm looking out, and he comes like, Casey, Mr. Goins, are you okay? And I'm like, no, doc, I'm not okay. I smoked some weed, and I'm dying, okay? Can you tell me what's going on? And he said, all right. He uh, took, he took his flashlight, and he looked in my eyes, and he's like, oh, that's classic. I was like, oh, no, he just confirmed it. I am dying. <laughs> I am. Confirmation. And he said, that's classic. I said, like, what do you mean classic? He said, PCP or LSD. I was like, really? <laughs> no way. Who would have thought that? I was like, Doc, are you saying I'm not dying? And he said, no, you're not dying. He said, you're going to, after about 12 or 14 hours, you will return to whatever point of normal you was before. I'm not saying you was ever normal, but you will return to that former state. And I'm like, thank God. And he's like, hey, Bubba, while you're here, we're in Athens, Tennessee. We don't get a lot of cases like this. So do you mind if our nurses and staff come in and observe you for a few minutes? And I'm like, I'm not dying. I don't really care. Yeah. They can all come in. They can look at me. I don't really care what they do. 
But come on, bring them. I'm not dying. I'm good. So what I found out in this story is that I really valued my life. I value my life above anything else. But my decisions, my choices I made up to this didn't indicate that I valued my life whatsoever. I said, everything that I had done previous to this said, I do not care about what happens in my life. I don't even care if I died until I was met with the certain possibility that I could die. And then I cared a lot about my life. How many of you know that's how we treat God? We're saying, oh God, you know, I'm a Christian. I'm a Christian. Sure, I'm a Christian. But do we value him with our money or anything else? Or is it when suddenly a tragedy hits or we're going through financial turmoil or something else we finally say god you know what i really need you now not that he won't show up but would did we really value him to begin with and that's what we're going to be talking about today we often miss what worship actually is we have nights of worship the youth just had a, an amazing night of worship and they wanted to celebrate and give this year to God, and it was an amazing thing. We just kind of hung out in the back, and they took over, and they led it, and it was really cool. And uh, like Pastor Ben said, they're on fire for God right now. But we have nights of worship. We have worship services. We have those praise and worship anthems, you know, like, raise the hallelujah. You know that one? Or graves in the gardens. What's another one, Ben? Goodness of God. But we also have those anthems. You know, if you grew up, you had a song that resonated with you, right? That it just spoke to your soul on some level. You know what I mean, Ben? Can y'all help us out? His mama told me when I was young since it beside me my only son and listen closely to what I say don't act like I don't know and this if song. you do this it'll help you some sunny day come on and be a sipper But the words won't come out. He's choking how? Everybody's choking now. The clock's ran out. Time's up. Over blow. Snap back to reality. Oh, there goes gravity. Oh, there goes gravity. Choke. He's so mad, but he won't give up that. He knows he won't have it. He knows his whole back city. 
and worship. Praise and worship, as we were talking about these other anthems, is our soul connecting to God. These songs was something connecting within us, but us, praise and worship, is us calling out to God and calling out what He means to us and how much value we should apply to Him. See, we can really, really get behind those songs, and they're all cool, and I love all of them, but man, it seems like when we're in church and we, we hold back a little bit. We hold back again, giving him his credit, placing the highest value on him. Amen. Amen. See, it's praise and worship. But here's what I want you to know. This is our first point. Worship is not the position of our hands. It's the position of our hearts. Worship is not the position of our hands. It's the position of our hearts. We often define worship as in a service or a building or something like that. And I do believe it's vital for believers to meet corporately. But we can worship God in every aspect of our lives. We can show honor to God in every single aspect of our lives. And we should. If we're calling ourselves a Christian, every single aspect of our lives, people should see Jesus in it. Every single aspect. The importance of worship is huge. It's huge. Worship matters. Worship matters to God and worship should matter to you. It should matter to you. See, we allow personal distractions to get in our way. Sometimes we go to church, but we don't worship. We sing songs, but we don't worship. We listen to sermons, but we don't worship. We serve in a ministry area, but we don't worship. 
See, all of these things are elements of worship, but they are not worship in and of themselves. Which means you can do every single one of these things and still not be worshiping. It matters the position of your heart. Somebody that's going out to the gas station and just working 40 hours a week can be worshiping more than somebody that's serving in every one of these areas. It's all about the position of our hearts. Is God the center of every single thing you're doing? Worship is a lifestyle. But praise is something different. Praise is the expression we give to the worship we live. Praise is the expression we give to the worship we live. And if you want to know what I mean, if you're married or anything like that, that lady right there, Tiffany, I love her more than life itself. My internal reality says I love her so much. But unless I'm doing things that show her how much I love her, then it's just nothing. It's just empty. I have to be doing things that shows her constantly, hey, I love you. Matter of fact, I'm going to do the dishes. I'm going to watch the kids so you can go ahead and go to bed because I know you got to get up earlier than I do. Even though Kai's being a wild one tonight. <laughs> we should be doing things that expresses our love, our internal reality, right? We should be doing those things. Praise is an external expression of our internal reality. If we truly believe that God saved our lives, then we should be doing things that expresses that reality outwardly. That's just all there is to it. Paul says it like this. Romans 12, 1. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind that he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship. The message says it like this. I really like this. So here's what I want you to do, God helping you. Take your everyday, ordinary life, your sleeping, eating, going to work, and walking around life, and place it before God as an offering. Embracing what God has done for you is the best thing you can do for Him. Amen. Did you hear that? Embracing what God has done for you is the best thing you can do for Him. I know if you're going through things in your life, it's easy to see what God is doing on the high, on the mountain. But when you're going through stuff, it's hard to reflect and see what God has done in your life. But it's, it involves every single aspect of your life. Worship as it relates to God is God being the center of everything. It's the returning the highest value to Him in every single area of our life. So now that we know what worship is, we can answer why we worship. Why worship? See, I asked Tiffany this question. And I should have known she gave me a wise question that a wise woman would. But it was instant. I, she didn't have to think about it. I said, Tiffany, why do you worship? She said, because of everything I've been through in my life, of all the abuse, all the pain, everything I've suffered, Jesus was the only consistent thing I ever had. Amen. Then she said, for me, it's about showing gratitude in everything I do for everything he has done. That's what it is. That's what worship is all about. It's gratitude, showing gratitude for everything he's done for you. Everything. She nailed it. The lyrics to, his, to one of our anthems, you remember that song or know that song, You Keep On Getting Better? It says this, you have always been patient. You have always been kind. You're consistent through the ages. Oh, what a friend of mine. That's what it's about. Worship is about returning that same consistency he has shown us in every single part of our lives. It's hard being consistent. I know that whenever I got sober... 
I was one of the most inconsistent people in the world. I was not dependable at all. So I started being on time for everything. Matter of fact, early, and then God placed me with somebody that doesn't even understand the concept of time. She, uh, time is an abstract reality to my wife. She doesn't understand it. It's, uh, it's, a ba- it's like, oh, that's something, you know. I know that God exists outside of time and space, so maybe that's where I'm at. So... But I, that's what I started to value. I started saying, I want to be consistent. I really want to be consistent in areas. And that's what worship is, is being consistent the way God has been consistently good to you. When we're consistent and gracious for everything he has done, there is a ripple effect in every single part of your life. And you know what worship is? It's taking you out of the equation and putting God at his rightful place. When God is the highest value in your personal equation, then the formula for life makes a whole lot more sense. Makes a lot of sense. If you want your relationships to be better, put God at the center. Place the highest value on Him. If you want your finances to be better, put God in the, in the center of all that. If you want your health to be better, let God rule those decisions. Worship is taking the focus off of us and putting it on God. When Jesus is the focus of all of our decisions and all of those decisions are ran through him, our relationships are handled through the lens of seeing people through the lens of Jesus, then, man, our perspective shifts. The things we see shifts. The things we do shift. Last Wednesday, if you were at our Wednesday Night Connection, we had a great discussion. And Pastor Kelly pointed out that in one of our verses, it's one of the most misunderstood but widely quoted verses us Christians love to use. Psalms 37 4 says take delight in the world or take delight in the Lord and he will give you the heart your heart's desires how many have used that and been like hey I'm a Christian I will ask God for whatever I want matter of fact I want to dodge 3,500 I feel like God wants to give it to me that's what I want in my life right now and we take that verse to mean whatever God want whatever we want God's just there just give it to us and that's not what it means at all What it means is the closer we get to Jesus, the more we put him at the center of our lives, the more we do that, then his desires become our desires. That's what that means. It's not about what Casey wants anymore. I have started developing a relationship with the creator of the universe, and his desires have become my desires. That's amazing. That's beautiful. And that's what that verse is. But we can take a verse and warp it to serve our own selfish purposes. This is why we worship. His desire for my life is way more perfect than I could have ever dreamed, imagined, mapped out, or planned. Ever. His his consistency becomes my consistency. His patience becomes my patience. I know that I am a pretty patient person unless I have my five-year-old and three-year-old. And I become one of the most impatient people you have ever met in your life. I am borderline angry all the time when I'm around him. Unless we're doing something fun. If I'm trying to do this, like I was doing this message yesterday, and I was so mad, I was like, I've got to preach to people, and I feel this kind of way in my heart right now. (laughs) But when we put him at the center, his patience becomes our patience. Our next point is this. Worship is not a choice, but who and what we worship is. Worship is not a choice, but who and what we worship is. 
Before his death in 2008, a decidedly non-Christian but highly respected author, David Foster Wallace, gave a, a commencement address at Kenyon College. And he made some amazing statements about worship, and I just want to read a few of them. He said this. He said, there is no such thing as not worshiping. Everybody worships. The only choice we get is what to worship. And an outstanding reason for choosing some sort of God or spiritual type thing to worship is that pretty much anything else you worship will eat you alive. If you worship money and things, if they are where you tap real meaning in life, then you will never have enough. Never feel you have enough. It's the absolute truth. Worship your own body and beauty and sexual allure, and you will always feel ugly. And when time and age start showing, you will die a million deaths before they finally plant you in the ground. Worship power, you will feel weak and afraid, and you will need a, even more power over others just to keep the fear at bay. Worship your intellect, being seen as smart, you will end up feeling stupid, a fraud, always on the verge of being found out. See, look, he says, the insidious thing about all these forms of worship is not that they're evil or sinful, is that they're un unconscious. They are default settings. They're the kind of worship you just gradually slip into day after day. You just kind of go in that direction. Jesus wants you to make a choice to put him at the center and not be a default thing. If we start doing that, the more change you're going to see because the choice to follow Jesus, here, here, here's what I'm going to tell you. Worshiping Jesus is a choice that make, breaks chains. Amen? Worshiping Jesus is a choice that breaks chains. It doesn't create them. Acts 16, 16 through 40 it tells the familiar story of Paul and Silas being in prison. Paul and Silas were doing ministry, and this demoniac woman was following behind him, and they were, they, she was annoying them to no end. So Paul turns around and casts the demon out. Well, her master's become infuriated because they've been using her for financial gain, so they have a tribunal. They decide, hey, we're throwing them in jail. So Paul and Silas get carried off to jail. What Paul and Silas could have done is they could have been very upset about their situation. They had did nothing but God's will in th through all this. They could have said, God, I was doing everything right. Why am I in prison? Now, you got to know, prison 2,000 years ago is not like it was when I went in 2014. A little bit different. But they never lost hope, not one time. They never lost hope. They kept connected. You know why? Because Jesus was their sinner no matter what. He, they reflected on everything he had ever brought them through and said, God, you know what? I don't even care if I'm locked up. You know, it's not the best situation, but I'm going to worship you regardless. And their worship started turning into praise. Amen. There was an external expression of their love for Jesus. And they started singing. They started singing. How many can do that whenever life has really flipped them upside down? But their devotion to God, them placing the highest value on God, took the chains off them. Not only did it take the chains off them, what else? It took the chains off everybody else they was locked up with. Hey, uh, Brent, can you come here real quick? So I brought this right here. I brought this uh, chain. Brent. Hey. That's good. That's why I called you. But 
If the enemy come to you and said, Brent, here's what I want to do. I want to saddle you with a lifetime addiction. I want to make you an alcoholic so your family can hate you, your marriage suffer for it, your family and friends totally despise you, and your name be crap in, the, in your county. Would you say, here, please give me that chain? Absolutely not. You want it? No. Nope. So, no, none of us do. Nope. But what the enemy does, he doesn't give us a chain. He says, Brent, why don't you just take a drink, man? Take a drink. You deserve it. You worked really hard today. Matter of fact, you need that. Here, take that. You deserve that. See, the enemy doesn't give us a chain. He gives us a choice. And then what he does is, Brent, hey, what else? You know what? You don't have to go to that ball game today. Matter of fact, you should just stay at home. Dude, it's been a wild week. You don't have to. You're, you're, you can catch your kids next game. He gives you a choice, and he makes you make your own chain. That's what the enemy does. So when we're putting Jesus at the center, and thank you, Brent. I appreciate it, dude. Thank you. Give it up for Brent. When we got Jesus at the center of every single decision, when the enemy is whispering in your ear, you got the authority to say, hey, enemy, get out of my ear. You know what? I don't want to be entrapped. And matter of fact, we are going to make mistakes. We are going to screw up. We are not going to have Jesus at the center of every single one of our decisions. We're going to realize that. But all we have to do is turn around and he's right there. That's all we have to do. In Matthew, Jesus talks about this choice. Matthew 6, 24. You can't worship two gods at once. Loving one God, you'll end up hating the other. Adoration of one feeds contempt for the other. You can't worship God and money both. In the Old Testament, or in the old way of saying this, it said God and mammon. Now, mammon was an ancient word that actually symbolized every kind of adulterous behavior. So it's saying anything that is not worshiping the true God is adulterous and you can't serve them both. Period. That's it. Jesus, matter of fact, said this. If you decide for God living a life of God worship, it follows that you don't fuss about what's on the table at mealtimes or whether your clothes in your closet are in fashion. There is far more to your life than the foods you put in your stomach, more to your outer appearance than the clothes you hang on your body. He's saying, guys, I just want you to make a choice for me. I'm not saying you won't have those nice things. I'm not saying you won't have everything else. But when you choose to place me there, you're not going to encounter all the obstacles that you would when you make a hell of your own creation. Jesus knew this. What you choose to worship could either chain you up or free you up. Joshua makes this declaration to the people of Israel. Joshua 24, 15. And we had this in our house. Christians love this phrase. We say it all the time. Choose this day whom you will serve. But as for me and my house or me and my family, we will serve the Lord. My family quoted that scripture over me. Even when I didn't want to hear a Bible, I'd cuss somebody out if they quoted the scripture at me. And I didn't want to hear it. But the Israelites, to give you some context about this verse, they've stumbled through their own wilderness experience. And by divine grace, without clearly understanding the spiritual battles at work, they're just going through life. Their basic needs were met, right? But those who cannot release their focus on the past ended up perishing in the wilderness. That's a lot of us. We cling to the past. We're always looking back. We're never looking in the present or in the future. We're looking back. We're insistent on clinging to the past. 
See, the Israelites crossed the Jordan and they entered into a new relationship with the power of God. And But up to this point, they have been pretty reactive. They've been fighting the necessary battles as they arose. They've been reactive, not proactive. Joshua is introducing a deeper expression in this verse we just read. A radical new thought of spiritual truth. Matter of fact, this is what Paul would call your true and proper worship. From now on, the Israelites' lives would be expressed according to the choices they made. The choices. If they wanted to continue and claim and enjoy what God had given them, they must make different choices. If they made different choices beside that, then they, they can expect different results. See, we're not here as spiritual beings in human form to be blindly obedient to the dictates of a distant God. God is very real, but God is very present, and all he wants is a relationship with us. But our choices we make separate us further and further from him. The things we choose to worship separate us from an all-loving, all-knowing God that just wants nothing but you, for you but a relationship with you. That's it. That's all he wants. I don't know what that sound is, but... But there's going to come a time, guys, when we got to start making a choice and place God directly at the center and worship Him in every single one of our choices. Now, I'm not saying you're going to get it right all the time, and I don't get it right every day. But, man, I get it a whole lot more than I got it right six years ago. A whole lot more. Here's the thing we know in, in CR and AA is that it's one day at a time. Sometimes it's one hour at a time. Sometimes it's one minute at a time, and I have to refocus and reshift, and I have to say, God, you know what? It's not about me. Casey will screw this up for sure. It's got to be about you. See, the word worship actually comes from an old English word. It's actually two words, and I'm not going to use the word because I'll butcher it. But it actually means worth-ship. And it literally means to give something worth, to demonstratively attribute value, especially to a deity or God. So will we choose to give God the value that he gave us when he created us and sent his son to die for us? Will we? My wife Tiffany is going to make this last point. Worship is a hardwired, unconscious physiological response. So this is what what Pastor Casey's talking about. This is what it looks a whole lot like. So can I have um, May May? Is Jill in here? Is Jill in here? Um, uh, oh, here she is. Okay. Okay, Jill and Macy, do y'all know each other? Do y'all do, do y'all like each other? Okay, so I want Jill, go stand by Kramer. May May, go stand by Bob. Macy, he rises. So if y'all have, okay, if y'all love each other, take one step forward. If y'all have hung out together, take one step forward. If y'all have been to the movie, shopping, anything together, take one step forward. If y'all have, um, let's see. If y'all have been to a life event, like a birth, baby shower, birthday party, take one step forward. If y'all worshiped God together, take one step forward. See, when you value and when you put worth in Jesus, but when you value the other person, that value, that love is staring right back at you face to face. So when we place worst 
when we place worship into something that we value most, it's going to reflect. It's going to reflect our heart. But most important, it's going to reflect intention. See, if they didn't do all these things, then there would, obviously, if they didn't love each other, if they didn't hang out together, if they didn't do all these things, then those intentions wouldn't bring them closer together. So as long as we don't allow our heart and as long as we don't allow intentionality to be what drives us closer to God, that what reflects us is going to be exactly what we put into it. So as long as we're putting into what we worship or what we value, it will always reflect our heart. So on the, so on the flip side, there, Pastor Ben, come up here. And oh, he is going to love this because I see him hiding back there. But Trenton McCullough, come up here. <laughs> he probably don't like me right now, but I love him anyways. So, Pastor Ben, I want you to stand right here. Stand right here in the middle. Trenton, I love you so much. Thank you for doing it anyways. Um, Stand back to back. I know y'all know each other, but I want y'all to, we'll do the same same thing. If y'all have, um, if you've talked to each other within this week, take one step forward. Or if you haven't talked to each other, take one step forward. If you haven't talked, Ben, you're you're supposed to say, I haven't talked to them. Um, I'm just kidding. Um, on the phone. So check one support. Um, if you have not seen each other in the last two days, take one step forward. If you have not um, been to a UT basketball game, take one step forward together. If you have not shared any life experiences like a Trenton's birthday or Ben's birthday take one step forward so I want y'all to turn around so when we're not giving value or we're not being intentional what it does is create space and when we're not giving God this intentional when we're not giving him our intentionality just like this just like them two whenever we're intentional about what we love or that value it's going to look us back in the face but when we don't it's going to create space and you know what happens in that space those insecurities and all those things that we doubt they come up and it looks like depression it looks like anxiety it looks like fear it looks like loneliness it looks like despair when we've created space but that's what we do. Pastor Ben, I want you to tell me, tell me what you like about Trenton. You don't have to just. Trenton the same thing. Okay, Pastor Ben, did you hear what Trenton said? You didn't because when Trenton was talking about Pastor Ben and we allow this much space, we can't even hear God. And we've created so much space that even though what uh, Trenton said about Ben was so great, Ben didn't even hear it. That's because that's not our, that's not the design. That's not what is supposed to happen. What's supposed to happen is there's supposed to be so much intentionality. But what we get caught up doing is creating space. 
what we get caught up doing even in our everyday life. I'm like, oh, I, I should have read my Bible today. I should have done this. And then I go to bed and I realize I haven't done it. And so it's like catch-up time. But when I'm not careful, when I'm not careful, when we're not being intentional, all we've done is created space. And then we can't hear God say, Trenton, you're a man of your house. You're a God, you're a son after my own heart. I'm so proud of you. And all those things that you went through, that you and Gavin went through, as my son, I'm telling you that you don't have to repeat the steps of your father. I'm telling you that you will raise your daughter to be a woman of God. So when you create space, when you allow God to get close to you, Trenton, you're gonna be able to hear him and he don't have to yell because he'll use a soft whisper to remind you of who you were called to be when you were born. So you just allow God and the intention that he created you to remind you that you were always, 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 you've always been the prize. You've always been somebody that he looked at. He's like, I'm so proud of the man that you've become. And you stand close to him and you don't let there be space because as long as there's space, you can't hear what he's got to tell you. Listen, you and Gavin have just been through some stuff. I know these boys, and I know he loves me. He don't care. They've been through some stuff. But when, what the enemy wants to do is he wants, us, he wants to lie to us and make us think that this was his design. But all along, God is like, nope, that's my boy. He's my prize. He's my joy. And I thought the same thing when my husband, he called, you, you're good, Trenton. You're good. You, you're good, guys. I thought the same thing when Casey called me to jail called me from jail and then they had to I knew that they were telling him that he was going to prison and it totally rocked my world I'm like we just got settled he's normal he's finally normal and here he is like they're telling him you, he's going to prison and it totally rocked my world and I was like well what do I do now God what do I do now and I remember like when he called and he was so so upset and he's like but this is the deal I'm going and all this stuff and so I was like, I did what I do. Um, Casey's like, I just don't remember you saying this, but I remember it like it was yesterday. And I was like, babe, you're running. You're running so far the opposite direction, but God's always been heavy on your heels. And I'm going to tell you as crazy as it sounds, I see you just like Simba. And I really did get that crazy. I was like, you're like Simba. And even though you may be doing all these things, Simba knew that there was a call on his life and he was running. But babe, you're going to get to a point. I swear I told him this. You're going to get to a point where you will walk in your calling. There might be a whole lot of space that you created, but he's heavy on your heels he's pursuing you and so much so in that moment all I could think of was this song that I would hear mama sing just sing all the time and then come to find out she would sing it over pastor Ken as he was dying of cancer and I was like babe this is going to be so weird as he's sitting in this jail cell and see society will be quick to remind you of what you are you make some mistakes they're going to tell you you're worthless you are never meant to know good you're an addict you always be an addict but in that moment God was like oh no 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 that is mine and I wouldn't trade you for anything Casey you're worth more to me than gold and I begin to sing this song and he was weeping but I'm telling you in that moment God changed everything and I think the evidence is what's standing on this stage is there's been this intentionality between him and God and it's aligned his steps so I'm telling you that as long as you align yourself with God and you don't allow that space everything that you put in will reflect your heart will be a reflection staring back at you face to face that's the power of God
is my secret weapon. Y'all can be standing, or y'all can stand up. Be standing. Y'all can be standing. We're fixing to go into a, a little bit of worship, but man, can y'all quit playing for just a minute? And what I want y'all to do is I want you to bow your heads. And I want you to really just focus on the beat of your heart. Just really try to just hear that beat. Let me get rid of this mic. Although that might have charged you, that might have accelerated your heartbeat, a lot of times we think those, those times in our lives when we're going through fear, anxiety, the space she was talking about is actually a physiological hardwired design of God for us to call out to Him. That when you just heard that, a lot of um, evolutionary biologists say that's a fight or flight response. No, that's what God ingrained in your DA to call out to your father. When your heart starts speeding up, when you start feeling fear, when you start feeling depression, it's really probably because God is not the center of everything you're doing. And he's calling out. It's your body literally calling out. Saying, please. Please, Casey, just just worship me. Just put me at the center of everything. Just put me at the center of every single one of your decisions. Everything you're going through. I know you might be going through fear. I know you might go through financial struggles. Just put me at the center. I'm willing to be there. When your heart speeds up, that's you saying, Casey, man, I got you. I got you. Has anybody been through that fear? Has anybody been through trauma that's unexplained that you just, you didn't even expect it? It's okay, I'm in the right place. We've all been through that. We're going to enter into a time of worship and prayer. But what I want to do before me, Tiffany, Pastor Ben, and Amanda, and the prayer team, if y'all come on down, we're going to pray with some people tonight, this morning, and tonight. We might be praying so long it turns into tonight. But we're going to pray for some people today today that they're saying, Casey, you know what? I just want to make God the center of everything. You know, I might be going through some hard times. I might be going through those times that I just don't understand God's plan for my life. But I just want to know that I have Him at the center. I want to be like Paul and Silas. No matter what the situation, no matter what the circumstance, that I choose to follow Jesus. So if that's you today, I just want you to shoot your hand up real quick. I know we got them here. Let's be honest. Right here. I'm not going to tell everybody to bow their heads, close their eyes, because just like I say in CR, Jesus walked a mile and a half to his death. He got beaten to a pulp. He was crucified all in front of thousands of people. I think the least we can do is lift our heads up. So I'm going to ask you one more time. If you got something in your life that you say, God, I want to give it to you, this first step is freedom. You want to start taking some links off that chain that the enemy has created just for you? This first step of obedience comes with you taking a link off. So I'm going to ask you one more time, and we're going to step down here and pray with you. One more time. Raise your hands. I just need something from God today. Amen. Amen. Well, we're going to, they're going to start this song, and we're going to be here to pray with you. And I'm going to piggyback on that because I did the first service because I just believe this. 
Um, how many of you guys have heard like so many times, but most of the time we hear it when we're going through like our greatest hardship. Most of the time we hear it when there's trauma or heartbreak. How many, how many of you guys, if you can raise your hand, have you heard that God is near and he's dear to the brokenhearted? How many times have y'all heard that? But what's funny is like, well, this isn't funny, but um, when me and my sister, our brother was killed in a tra tragic car wreck in, on January 17th, and it rocked us to the core. And I had so many people call and pray, and they were like, but rest assured that he's near to the brokenhearted. But in that season, in that moment, I felt like he was so far away. No part of me thought, oh, he's near to my broken heart. No part of me thought that. But when we were going over this, I was like, even though that, that verse or that was just so weird to me, it was so foreign, it didn't make sense that when we're suffering from trauma, God is so close to us. And then I remembered that whenever, anytime my heart is accelerated, anytime there's like just an anxious thought or there's something I'm going through, my heart is just just pitter -patter. there's just a, a race y'all felt it when that song was up and so what I believe just like Casey said is what God is doing is even though we don't have the words I couldn't even formulate a thought or a sentence when that happened but what I knew is my heart was crying out to him what I knew is in that moment my soul was crying out to him because I couldn't do it I didn't even understand I didn't even fathom all that I knew was we had been through stuff my whole life and I was like God why this but my heart was crying out to him my heart, even though my words cannot form a sentence, and some of y'all know, Scott Shaw, I see you back there. You know exactly what I'm talking about. Sometimes our childhood could shake us to the core, and sometimes I couldn't articulate it. I couldn't even make it make sense. But what I know is our bodies were designed to cry out to Him, even when our words can. So what we want you to do is if this is you and you know what this is like, we want you to come up here because I believe God is wanting to heal some things. You may not have been able to tell it to somebody, but what God is wanting to do is totally change it for you. What God is wanting to do is let you experience for the first time Him saying, I am so near to you. Even though you can't form a thought or you can't say it out of your mouth, Karen, shall never define you, Karen Ricker. So this season where you feel like, what do I do? This has shook you, but it was never supposed to define you. God had to take this moment to take you out. Maybe it shook you to the core, but you're going to see for the first time in your life this heart where you can't even say, God, I don't even know what's wrong. But God's listening to the beat of your heart. And he's listening to that pitter-patter. And he said, every tear that you've cried, I've bottled it up. And I remember all those times when you felt despair and you felt lost and forgotten. And he's like, Karen, when you cry out to me, I'm not just going to turn it around. You're going to see my goodness has followed you all the days of your life so don't you be scared and don't you fear he's got you he's got you and there's so many of y'all that he just wants to just he's calling you in he's calling you home your heart is crying out to him so if you want to come up here there's people up here that are willing to pray